The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. All right, everybody, welcome into the Hoop Ball Celtics podcast. I am your host, Patrick Brownsbury. You can also find the show on Twitter at Hoop Ball Celtics. You can find me on Twitter at Ballin Opinions. That's B A L L I N O P I N I O N S for anything Celtics related. Today, we actually got a special person. We're actually welcoming a new person to the family. We got Lucas here. Um, he's going to be the co host of the Hoop Ball Celtics. Welcome, Lucas. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, yeah, I'm Lucas Gaynor. Uh, I've been a Celtics fan for about, you know, 15 or 16 years now. Um, I just want to thank Patrick and Dan, you know, the founder of Hootball for, you know, allowing me this opportunity. Uh, really looking forward to uh, covering the Celtics with Patrick and, you know, diving into what this offseason, you know, has in store for us. Uh, you can follow me at Luca underscore Gaynor, G-A-Y-N-O-R on Twitter. Um, but yeah, thanks, Patrick. Really appreciate this, man. No, man, I appreciate you uh, coming on, man. I think we've got a lot of good content that we be able to push out here in the future. It's the off season, so it's the grind season right now. We're going to be digging for anything really to talk about as time progresses. But at least the Celtics haven't been quiet to start the off season. So today we will be talking about the hiring of the new coach. Um, we will also be talking about Al Horford being back in Boston. Uh, what are going to be Brad Stevens' next mute moves and everything like that? And we're also recording on the green room right now so we have some people in attendance that might come up and ask some questions we'll do some q a to end the show off all right so let's just jump into it man um what do you what do you think about the new coach coming into boston Lucas? what was your first reaction so uh, when i saw the news i was honestly elated um because ime udoka was a guy who i've been you know pining for the celtics to hire you know since brad moved into the uh president of basketball operations role um, so I was stoked, you know, the research I did about him really taught me a lot that I didn't know. Like I knew he was an up and coming guy and, you know, that he would be good for our culture, but I didn't necessarily know, you know, about his X's and O's and, you know, his coaching career. So uh, I personally am incredibly excited to, you know, get this new chapter of Celtics basketball on the road. Yeah, um, it, it's crazy because like in my last podcast I recorded, I definitely mentioned him and I was like, I think this is the guy. I think this is going to be the fit. And I was pretty big on Becky Hammond first because I'm a big pop tree type person. Like I'm thinking they run a fundamentally sound system. They move the ball a lot and they play good defense. And those are the qualities I was looking for. And for some reason I was overlooking him earlier on in the coaching process. And I was just starstruck by Becky Hammond and wanted her. And then when his name popped up and I did a little bit more research into it, I was like, all right, I could see this fit working. And the thing that I like most about him is it seems like he's going to be a defense first type of coach. He was a defensive first type of player as well when he was in the league. So, I mean, I'm excited for that aspect of it. This is a, a team that definitely needs a new turn of events as far as the defensive end. We were not very good last season compared to all the other previous seasons under Brad Stevens. So what do you think he's going to bring for us defensively? No. So, no, that is exactly what I'm talking about when I learned some things about him, like doing my research. Because um, like you just mentioned, you know, the Celtics really got away from their identity, which was defense. Like that was the identity of a Brad Stevens team, forcing turnovers, getting stops, like contesting shots. Um, 
And so when I, you know, I was reading about Ime and what he'd done for the Sixers specifically, actually, um, he was, uh, you know, kind of um, commandeered the pick and roll defense. And he really, you know, uh, made the ball get out of the, uh, the pick and roll ball handler's hands. Um, and he turned that team from like a pretty average defense to like one of the top tier defenses in the league, which they still are. So that was really promising for me because the Celtics really have been lacking that uh staunch defensive identity which uh they used to have with mr al horford oh yeah absolutely and al horford was a part of some of those good defenses which is why i'm also excited for him to be back in boston i know he's a lot older now and his age is definitely up there but i think he brings a lot of that veteranship and and mentorship that will be really good to add to the team but also going in on to the new coach here uh is you know, we talked about his defense and, and a little bit of some of the staff that he's been under. He was under Brett Brown in, in Philadelphia for a season uh, previously to uh, going to Brooklyn and being under Steve Nash this season. But he also was a really good uh, assistant coach over in San Antonio. So, And he's been uh, with Popovich back in 2019 on the USA um, team, the summer team. And they went and, and won that. Uh, he got some relationships there with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, who all reportedly gave the stamp and go for, hey, yeah, this is the guy we kind of want to work with. So um, very interesting to see that Brad Stevens is accommodating to his star players. It's no shock to me, really, because I think that's important to bring in a guy that's definitely going to connect with that star player and keep that atmosphere good. What do you think about no, I think that um, the fact that Ime had a previous relationship with Marcus, Jalen, and Jason, um, you know, that goes a long way into, like, integrating him into, you know, the Celtics organization already because those, I would argue, are our three best players. Um, I don't think anyone will push back on that. And I think it's good that Brad is catering to, you know, specifically Jalen and Jason because those guys are going to be the foundation of uh, our franchise for, you know, potentially the next decade. So uh, if they're happy, I'm happy. Um, but – you know, you mentioned he was an assistant coach in San Antonio for um, uh, seven or eight years. And I have some quotes here from Pop that I really, really, um, that really stood out to me. So Pop said, quote, Udoka is a, a person very driven, meticulous, and hard on himself. He's a perfectionist. Um, he exudes a confidence and comfort in his own skin where people gravitate to him. He's a fundamentally sound teacher because he's comfortable with himself. He knows the material and the players read it. Um, oftentimes I'll say, Ime, can you go talk to so-and-so? Go talk to Patty Mills. Go talk to Timmy. Go talk to Kawhi. And he'll do it better than I would. And I'm not even blowing smoke. So the end of that quote with that, I'm really excited about that because I feel like Brad's biggest issue was managing the personalities of some, you know, bigger star players. Um, and if Pop is saying that Ime is better at it than him, then I think, you know, we'll be in good hands for uh, hopefully, you know, the next 10, 12 years or however long Ime is however long he's going to be a Boston Celtic, you know, we, we do know that the Celtics have that patience factor with these coaches. When they bring them in, they don't just rush them or, or anything like that. They definitely give them the opportunity to establish themselves. But I think this situation might have a little bit more pressure than previous situations. You know, when Brad Stevens came in, for example, the, he, he kind of elevated a team that wasn't really that good, didn't really have that many stars on the team already. So for him to come into this situation, you have a top, you know, 15, 20 player in the league. You have Jalen Brown, who's a top 30, 35 player in the league. So there's a bit, a little bit more of a higher expectation. So I don't know if that's going to be the least shortened at all or how Brad Stephen plays that. 
because we also don't know Brad Steven as a GM. So that part is going to be the most interesting thing. I do think that the first year is definitely going to be more of a wash year of let's get the team around these guys that you want. We're going to get that cap flexibility here by moving Kemba Walker on and, and bringing in Al Horford and you don't have to guarantee not much guaranteed money there. So it'll be interesting to see what they do cap wise and situation wise with that. But also with a thing that I really liked about the new coach coming in is the fact is he, he has this experience with playing with really, well, not playing with, but coaching really big stars, right? He's been around Kevin Durant. He's been around people on the team USA. He's been around Kyrie Irvin, been around Jason Tatum. You're talking about, he was also in San Antonio during the championship runs. He has championship experience. Um, he has a championship. So these are things that are very important because he, he experiences different levels in the NBA at different areas. And he's had to be in different type of locker rooms that didn't work, that did work. And he gets to integrate that with this situation. So I think that gives him a good rounding of around the league of experience for as far as how he's going to deal with the Celtics. Yeah. And just one final uh, little part about the Spurs and a quote um, a quote from email says, I did four coaching interviews last year, and a major point I would emphasize is that I learned a ton under Pop and I've been blessed to see what he does, but I'm not Pop. I'm my own person. So that, to me, I love because I don't want email to come here and try and emulate Pop or anything. I want him to be, you know, be his own man and implement what he wants on the team. So that was – I just thought that was another bright spot. Like I really saw no negatives in this hiring. Um, truthfully, it is exactly what I wanted. I think it's exactly what's best for the team. I mean, I think it's what's best for Ime, man. You get to coach two, you know, mid-20, two-way wings. They have uh, all NBA. Oh, 100%. And, uh, you know, this is Brad Stevens' second move as a GM. And um, me personally, I'm, I'm happy with, uh, with what I've seen so far from him as a GM as far as move goes. I think he's two for two. I don't know how you're oh. feeling about the situation. But I'm thinking now are they home runs? That's too early to tell. But you know, two two for two, man, is two for two at the end of the day. He's batting a hundred right now. Exactly. Um, no, I honestly think that Brad is going to be better suited in this role of president of basketball operations. Um, because you know, he just is like a student of the game. He really soaks it up. Um, and I think that'll just be better. He won't have to do as much man in game management. Um, personality management, you know, as we saw, like that's a strength of Ime. So, you know, I think Brad's actually in a, a position that's better suited to his strengths. Um, and I think he's two for two, man, getting off Kemba and hiring Ime. Like, honestly, I'm just surprised the Celtics made the moves that made the most sense for once, you know, like they, they, they took the meatball and hit it out. Well, I won't say hit it out of the park, but we at least hit it. Like you said, we hit it, man. We hit it. It's in the play. We don't know if we're safe yet or not. We're just, we're just waiting, but we're just happy right. that, that we made contact. That's what exactly. we're happy about right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. But, yeah, I'm also um, I'm happy about Al Holford being back in Boston. How do you feel about that? Oh, I think he's great. Um, you know, at the very least, uh, as far as, like, the cultural uh, standpoint, you know, he's a good leader. You know, he's not a guy who's going to, like, bark in your face, but he's a good positive vocal leader. Um, and, you know, I think he'll help anchor the defense as far as Encore is concerned. Um, just to be completely honest, I don't have like super high expectations for his play. I know he played amazing at the beginning of the year, and that's why OKC shut him down. But I am kind of tempering my expectations. You know, ten points, five rebounds, four assists. Like you know, that would be maybe twelve points. That'd be a good line for him. But I'm super excited to have him just back with the guys because I know Jalen and Jason and Marcus all liked him, and you know, he'll definitely be a good quarterback, a better quarterback of our defense than we've had uh, since he left. 
Yeah, and, and like I mentioned earlier, I think the the big thing for me as far as Al Horford coming in is he has that he already has a, the chemistry with these guys, right? He knows these guys, he's played alongside these guys. He's also probably the best passer now on the Boston Celtics roster. This is this is probably well known as far as Celtics fans who really paid attention to when he was here. Um, he has a good ability of being able to pass out of the high post. Uh, I think it's going to reopen a lot of things for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who are a lot better now than they were when he was on the team. So I think the opportunity for him to help them be better is going to be a lot more evident. And I think his passing ability is going to make the offense a lot easier for Jalen and Jason personally. No, I agree. And some people might argue that Rob Williams is a more – I think he's maybe a more talented passer. But um, the type of passing that Al brings is totally different. They might not be as flashy. But as far as functionally running an offense, yeah, I think he's going to make uh, life on Jalen and Jason a lot easier. I totally agree. Yeah, and then another thing what I liked was um, the press conference the other day with uh, Al Horford coming back. He was like, I, I'm really, really happy to be back. And I know that's just sometimes – well, a player will say just because it's like, you know, they feel like that's what he is. But he seemed to have made a very big emphasis on the fact that he was actually happy to be back in Boston. He's happy to be grinding for that 18th banner. He said that, you know, it was, you know, there was a lot of unfinished business that he loves to try to get done. Now, I don't know how long Al Hofford's going to be here. I don't know if he's going to play out his whole contract here as far as that goes and everything. But I like how optimistic and happy he is to be back in Boston um, because he definitely emphasized it more than you would have to in a press conference. So it seemed like it was a lot more genuine than it was forced. And um, I'm excited to see what he brings to the team. But what does put us in a situation now where we're looking at our bigs and going like, all right, who's the odd man out? And, you know, there's different scenarios running through my head right now where I, I can see a situation where Robert Williams gets traded because of his health concerns. I think Tristan Thompson is definitely somebody who is going to be considered to be traded because of his contract going, you know, one year left. It's just an expiring deal that's a lot easier to move in the NBA. So it's it's a very interesting take. They also really liked Moses Brown. I like Moses Brown, too. He ate the Celtics alive this season. Um, I think he had his career high in rebounds. He almost had 20 rebounds at half. It was insane. Um, so I'm, I'm just excited to see what uh, Moses Brown kind of brings to the table for the team, how we're going to use him if he doesn't get trapped in the back of the rotation. And then also I'm excited to see, I don't know how much Al Horford's going to play, but I'm excited to see him back out there. And it's, it's really going to be like, which center is going to be not on this roster to start the opening day. Yeah, so just to start with Moses Brown, um, I think that was a good throw-in to the trade um, because, you know, I think he's the next four years on $2 million a year salary-wise. That is really good team control. Um, and like you said, he absolutely ate us alive. You know, I can't say I've watched a ton of Moses Brown film yet. Uh, hopefully I'm going to get into that a little more to see what I can really expect from him. Um, but, you know, he can hit the glass. You know, he can dive to the rim. Um, we like that. And as far as the next big who is going to be moved on potentially, I think it really just, you know, um, depends on where Brad's head is at. Like if Brad really wants to improve the team, he's going to trade Robert Williams and maybe, you know, package with another player or pick to try and get us better because Rob Williams has value. But if he just wants to clear some salary, um, you know, we'll trade Tristan Thompson for a second-round pick or – you know, maybe even a player, but I personally think that that is the right move. I want to get Tristan Thompson off the books. His 10 mil guaranteed. I want it out of there, free up a little more space. And like you said, uh, 
Somebody will take that expiring. Somebody will oh, take it. Oh, 100%. And then I'm also just thinking, the only reason I threw Robert Williams' name is out there, it's not because I don't want him on the team. I love Robert right. Williams. I love the Time Lord, and I love the Celtics' Twitter memes with him. But at the same time is, you know, uh, being healthy and staying on a court is something you have to have, you know, to bring value to a team. And Robert Williams has definitely haven't had that as of recently uh, through his career. So I could totally see that being a reason, especially because I think from his performance this last season, this might be, you know, his highest value he's had since he's been in the league. So if you're going to end up thinking, like, I don't think he's going to stay healthy, I think this would be the time to move on. But I really I'm really uh, think that Tristan Thompson will be the big that ends up getting moved. Speaking about the next big that gets moved, um, goes into our next segment here about Brad Stevens and what we think his next move is going to be. And as far as the, the rest of the moves we think he has here, what do you think is the, the next move for Brad? Um, so I do think – so, you know, the first move was trading Kemba, of course, and then hiring Ime. Those are like, you know, those are kind of meatballs, like we said earlier. I think the third meatball, like I just said, is Tristan Thompson. I really think he's going to be the next one to go um, because, you know, he he's coming off the books anyway at the end of next season. But if we get him off the books now, then a potential trade, you know, if the Celtics really, you know, the things are going really well, um, but and Brad thinks that you know the Celtics have a chance to be finals contenders with one more move. We trade Thompson, get him off the books, and then we package Marcus Smart and Rob Williams, maybe a couple picks, you know, for something like uh, you know everyone says this name. I don't think it's too realistic, but Bradley Beal, but a, ca- a player of that caliber. So I personally think that next move is getting Tristan Thompson, you know, up out of here. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's nothing against Tristan Thompson. Like, I actually thought he played really well in the second half of the season, and he and he definitely had moments in the playoffs where he showed out and was a big piece. Uh, he was really good on the offensive boards, especially in that Nets series. We probably don't win that, that game without, you know, obviously Jason Tatum dropped 50 points, but Tristan Thompson played a hell of a game in that one as well. He was all over the offensive boards getting extra possessions for the Celtics. So um, it's going to be interesting. I do think that they are going to move on from Tristan Thompson because he will get them some type of haul. Some interesting things that I might see from Brad Steven maybe is like packaging Horford and I don't know, maybe a young guy on the roster and a second round pick. Maybe they try to move back into the first round. I know they've been like talking to a bunch of people, um, prospects in this upcoming draft and we trade away our, our first round pick but also, um, I like to have people not overreact on that because they're like, why are we interviewing all these guys? Well, this might be the last time you get to interview these guys, you know, without tampering for the next four years. So there's relationships that can still be built there with those players and, and understanding your competition as well and understanding that person as a, as a player coming into the league, especially when free agency comes up and they're available as well. Yeah, no, I don't think, uh, you know, people are saying maybe we'll trade back up into the first round. I highly doubt that. I, you know, echo everything you said, man. There's nothing wrong with gaining intel on players. You know, maybe it's for free agency um, or, you know, we never know how the draft board could shake out. A guy who maybe was predicted to go 17th or, you know, in that late first round, maybe he slips to the second round and then, you know, it's going to take a little less to, you know, move up in the second round or something to take him. So personally, I just think Brad was doing his due diligence and, uh, you know, but I wouldn't expect any moves up into the first round from the Celtics, definitely. All right, here. And then um, that that pretty much holds it here for the Brad Stevens talk. I do think he has his hands full as far as a bunch of moves in play. I think he's got more than one move to make. He definitely has 
a lot of decisions to make. Um, the, I think the biggest head scratcher for him is going to be like the future of Marcus Smart. I'm really intrigued this offseason to see if they sign back Fournier. And the reason I, I'm interested in that is because if they don't sign him back, then I'm pretty convinced that getting Fournier was a, more of a Danny Ainge decision than a Brad Stevens decision. So it's just going to say a lot about how Danny Ainge and maybe Brad Stevens were either on the same page or they weren't on the same page, honestly, just by re-signing or not re-signing Fournier. I think that's going to be a strong indication. Yeah, that's definitely a big domino to fall um, because we do have his bird rights. So I know we can go over the cap to sign him, but um, if we don't sign him, I think that signals maybe a Marcus Smart extension um, or something like that. And like you said, it will show us really uh, – how much of the same page Danny and Brad were really on. Cause that's not something people really questioned. And, you know, maybe, maybe uh, it was going under the radar that, you know, they weren't totally philosophically aligned when it came to building. It. Absolutely. And now we're going to open up the, the room here for anybody who wants to come up and ask a question or two, uh, go ahead and, and put your speaker request in and uh, we'll get you up here on board and uh, you can ask uh, us anything about the Celtics. All right, Emil, how's it going? What's happening fellas? What's up, man? It's a good day good Friday, man. Sure. Yeah. Had the day off. Feels good. Nice. Um, so, you know, you guys are talking about a lot of moves, right? And I understand there's a lot of fluidity that we could do with the roster. The reason we got Rob Williams so low in the draft is because of the hip and back problems and we're seeing that develop now, right? Like they had him on minutes restriction. They took the minutes restriction off, and then his body just couldn't handle it. Um, what I'm more curious about is not just the pieces that can move out, but an actual sophisticated roster that, you know, they keep talking about maximizing the wing players. You know, Tatum Brown, he hasn't actually explicitly said who the wing players are, but we know who he's talking about. In these moves that you guys are talking about, do you feel like it? it's actually going to create that sophisticated offense that we just didn't have last year? I feel like the best way to do that is to get the point guard situation certifiably landed. Um, Pat, Patrick, you go ahead. Take it. All right. Yeah. Um, so um, going, going into that, um, I, I totally see what you're saying. Like the moves, are they going to end up opening up the wing play for them? Well, I think the indication was – when they first ended up making that move and getting Al Horford, Brad Steven made a very big emphasis on freeing up cap space and having financial flexibility in the future. So I think these moves right now are just a small step towards it. So I'm not necessarily saying that maybe these small moves are going to get the job done right away, but maybe it's just for prolonging it and waiting for a couple years down the line to have the opportunity. I definitely agree with you, Emil. I think that the point guard position needs to be addressed. And I've been preaching that, you know, we, we can actually have the opportunity to shed a little bit more salary and we don't resign Fournier. We could maybe be possibly in the market for a, a point guard like Alonzo Ball. That's somebody who I dream of. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're going to make enough moves and, and free up enough cap space for that. But my emphasis is that we do definitely need a point guard and we need one that is a playmaker first that also can hit down his shot and be a threat from the outside. So, and, and Emil, I think it's a good question, but I think the point guard discussion comes down to whether or not you believe Marcus Smart can be the point, or the starting point guard on a team who, you know, one day can lead us to the championships. Um, 
Personally, I think the numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but I know that the numbers, points per possession, um, offensive and defensive rating, are good when Smart is our starting point guard playing, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game at the point guard position. Um, with that being said, you know, of course, I understand that his shot selection and his streaky shooting ability can get in the way. Um, but, you know, it really, I guess it depends on how much, you know, Brad thinks that Marcus can be the, the point guard of the future going forward. So that's, I think that's where I get into a little bit of a challenge, right? Uh, I love Marcus Smart. Love the way he plays defensively. Offensively, he there's no rhythm. There really isn't. If he if he gets the ball with you know seven or eight seconds under the uh, on the clock, he ain't giving the ball up. Just just the way it goes. Or he's shooting it in the first five seconds that they've got possession in the offensive zone. I, you know, maybe I'm generalizing a bit too many of his possessions, but I feel like. You know, a name that a lot of people aren't talking about is Goran Dragic. Now, I understand the guy's old, and the Heat have a team option on him. But if you're not going to be able to get Alonzo, right? The only way you get Alonzo is if you're doing a sign-and-trade, and then we got to deal with the hard cap and all that baloney, and it'll probably cost you Marcus Smart and Robert Williams to go get somebody like that, right? It's going to take some good players. It, um, it would be around there, yes. That would yeah, be. you know, especially for the salaries. So... You know, you look at like, all right, who's the second tier that's out there? Reggie Jackson, uh, some of the guys. I, I understand, but I'm just we got to be realistic with what we've got available. Plus, we have a of bunch of traded player exceptions that we could use, right? Like we've got four or five of them. The Kemba's six point nine. The Tice was like five million. The remainder on um, Gordon Hayward's like eleven million. So you got to kind of look in that range. That's like Reggie Jackson range. Maybe that's you a know, range. So, you know, Emil, I have three guys that I have written down that haven't been mentioned a lot, but I think they would be good fits for the Celtics if they could somehow get them is Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I really also like Patty Mills. Um, I like Patty Mills a lot, especially because of the ties, you know, from the Spurs. It would be a lot easier to integrate what he's trying to do. Um, Dinwiddie also has a, was just playing under this our, our coach now in, in Brooklyn. And then I really like TJ McConnell because of his playmaking ability. Those are the three names that I think are achievable um, as far as salary goes, and I think that they have a good fit. But isn't yeah. isn't TJ McConnell and Peyton Pritchard like the same player? Just no, three, four years no, apart? No, no. Pritchard is a much better off the dribble shooter. Pritchard's a better really shooter, th- yeah. He's a really good three point range. I don't and also I think Pritchard is gonna factor into this conversation as well. Um, as far as you know, I think he's pretty close to a ceiling. You know, he's a four or five year guy even in college. Um but you know, maybe Brad views him as a potential, you know, starter, six man. But personally I think Marcus, um with Ime in place as the coach, you know, I would not be surprised to see Marcus Smart be able to play the point guard at a full-time, you know, at a full, as a full-time position. Um, and as far as Reggie Jackson goes, you know, I'm really not trying to, you know, slander the man when I went, oh, or whatever. But I just don't think what he, his skill set is not what the Celtics need. Like, I want a guy who moves the ball. And, you know, I think we can all be in agreement Reggie Jackson is not necessarily a ball mover. Um, you know, he's probably closer to a ball stopper than that. Um, we don't need someone taking shots away from Jalen and Jason, but we need someone who can make open catch and shoot threes, which, you know, I know Marcus is, uh, not consistent, but I think I would much rather have Marcus than I ever would commit money to Reggie Jackson. And I do like TJ McConnell, man, but he, uh, maybe he's improved as a shooter, but he's not the, uh, 
not the most consistent shooter, but I honestly, I'm in the camp of wanting Marcus as our starting point guard, especially under the new regime with Ime, you know, probably bringing some, some of his guys. So I, I really think Marcus is going to learn. Uh, he's going to take a little bit of a step as far as, you know, understanding how he can play on offense within the flow of the game. All right, I got one last one here, and I'm going to step off the stage. I appreciate you having me on, and of course, uh, no, let me ask thanks question. for the questions. So, Absolutely, man. No, we appreciate you coming on, man. When it comes to Jalen Brown, he came out of college uh, cerebral, right? Like the guy, he's he's he comes from a well-educated family. He's clearly well-spoken. He's he's got high IQ. He's vice president of the Players Association, opinionated guy, but also you know, uh, cares a lot about social justice. Is there a sensation that maybe Jalen is a tougher fit to work with guys like Marcus Smart than not? And specifically, the reason why I asked that question is there was a game halfway through the season where the reporters asked Jalen Brown, hey, how do you feel about coming down on the end of the clock and who's shooting the ball and whatnot? And Jalen Brown just said, no comment, next question. And it was a game that Smart had not shot well. Is there growing tension between the two no. of them? Because, See, to me, Emil, the reason that, that Jalen did not want to entertain that question is not because he uh, has any problems with Smart. It's because he knew what the, the person asking the question was trying to do. Okay. The reporter knew that you know Marcus had a bad shooting game, and he probably was trying to drag an answer out of Jalen that Jalen just simply was not going to give him. Because All like right. you mentioned, Jalen is one of the smartest guys in the league. He's the vice president of the MBPA already as a 24-year-old. So, no, I, I really would not buy into those rumors. Patrick, you got any? Uh... Um, Yeah, so I actually remember that game a lot, Emil. And that was also in the, a part of the season where, like, things were just kind of, like, inconsistent for the Celtics. Things were, like, up and down. The media was kind of, like, on the Celtics in general. I think that the when you're losing – frustrations boil over a lot more so I, I think it could have just been a situation of just you know it was one of those nights where I'm frustrated with somebody but I think Jalen Brown is such a professional about how he presents himself that he took the route of just not answering it and and it may have still spoke volumes but it's still he did it in a way where it was still professional and I think if, if he had any illness towards Marcus Smart is something that they would be able to talk about off to the side and, and get on the same page. I don't really feel that there's a true disconnect. I like yeah. I like your guys' angle on that. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course, it. Emil, we Thanks appreciate you. Up, we appreciate you for coming, man. And Jesse, this kind of ties in with the uh, with the answer we just had. So Jesse asked if we were upset about getting um, not getting Rick Carlisle and getting Ime. I think that Ime is um, – I'm really happy about, you know, the fresh face, the new ideas. You know, obviously I'm not going to even try to knock who Rick Carlisle is as a coach. Like, you know, he obviously knows what he's doing. He's been a really good coach in the league for a while now. But I think what the Celtics specifically needed was a younger guy um, with, you know, newer ideas. And someone who is going to be able to, like um, the quotes I read earlier, like he's going to be able to bridge the gap if there is a disconnect like Emil brings up. Like, because, you know, there was that story about the screaming in the locker room. Um, I think having Al and Ime back in like Al back in town and Ime in town is really gonna, um, you know, really gonna make uh, the actual team dynamic and chemistry a by, lot better. By the way, um, Al Horford has high praise for Ime when they were in, we were in um, Philadelphia for the Sixers, so he did have some high praise for him there. Also, to answer that question as well, as far as Carlisle, um, you know, Rick Carlisle is a good coach, but I also 
after thinking over, and I really wanted Carlisle when he was released and, and no longer going to be with Dallas, and he, he announced himself stepping away from the team. I was interested in him for sure, but then as I, I, I kind of process things even more, I definitely am more bought into a guy who, and, and this is no knock on Carlisle, but recycled. You know, like I don't want a coach that has been constantly recycled in the league who kind of already has like his, his headset, like what he's going to do and everything like that. I kind of like the new unpredictable guy comes in, has been under multiple systems and, and now he gets to pick at all those coaches that he worked under and try to fit it in his own way and see what works and doesn't work. I just like the new fresh fit for him in general. Totally. I um, mean, honestly, I have a, uh, I read a story actually where, you know, the first time that Udoka ever thought about coaching, um, he, he, you know, revealed that Isaiah Thomas, you know, um, of the Pistons, uh, mentioned to Udoka while he was playing for the summer league team for the Knicks. He told him he should get into coaching. Well, you know, that maybe wasn't a great time for Ime's uh, playing career at that point. Um, it certainly, I think, is a great sign uh, for things to come. He has as uh, his future. Absolutely. And we got one last question here before we wrap it up. Um, got one from um, Pierre in the comments here. He said, would you trade Dame with Brown being part of the package going to Portland? Um, personally, I think that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are off the table. Uh, and the only way that I would even considering moving a Jalen Brown is if you're talking about one of the elite players that are about 28 or younger. So maybe the Giannis's, the Lucas and stuff like that, which we're really not looking into a more realistic viewpoint at that point. So um, for me, it's, it's a no, I just, I don't see Boston moving on from Jalen Brown. I think they're pretty committed on Jason Tatum being the one and, and Jalen Brown being the two. And they're just trying to find that third guy that really gels with them and, and maximizes their, their yeah, as much as I would love to see uh, offense led by a player of Dame, like of Dame's caliber, shooting off the dribble, running pick and rolls uh, alongside Tatum, I just don't think it makes that much sense. You know, um, Dame is obviously older; he's making a crap ton of money, um, and you know, I just don't see any reason to separate Jalen and Jason, um, even for a player of Dame's caliber. Uh, I just don't see it happening, or what I want it to happen. Absolutely. Well, well, Lucas, this was a, a great first show yeah. for you. Yeah. Man. Welcome to the Hoopball family, man. I'll was, be honest. This was good. I was a little nervous, but I think I think it went. I think it went pretty well. It's it's so. not that bad, man. It's really it's really not it's really that bad. Not. And uh, we do appreciate everybody coming into the live show here, um, coming in and supporting us. Appreciate that was everyone. Awesome of you guys. We do appreciate you. Um, also, it's we're gonna get this um, uploaded on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't already, please come. Um, and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. You know, write something cool if you want. Write something, whatever you want. Just give us a good five-star review. Follow us on, uh, subscribe to our podcast. Again, uh, this is the Hoopball Celtics podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Hoopball Celtics. You can find me on Twitter at Ball and Opinions. Lucas, go ahead and, and pin in your stuff as well. I'm on Twitter at Luca underscore Gainer, G-A-Y-N-O-R. That's where I'm at. Um, you know, I don't. Have anything else really to plug? Just, yeah, give us that five-star review. Um, you know, say something funny in the comments maybe. Uh, but thanks, everyone, for showing up. All right, guys. Thank you for stopping by. We're out.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.